go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and also Jude verse 3. And uh, let's all stand together as we read these two verses, just two verses tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and then also Jude verse 3. And Jude is a little book right before the book of Revelation. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so the idea on that is, you know, get the truth and then uh, give it to people who can then teach that truth to others. All right? And then Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so the idea is that the faith has been uh, being uh, fought against and and uh, we need to earnestly contend for it and stand up for the truth and, and all of that. And so with all that in mind, let's uh, have a word of prayer and we'll get into it tonight. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the faith that was delivered unto the saints. And Lord, help us to be faithful, to stand up for the truth of your word and help us, Lord, to not compromise in this day of, of, uh, of compromise, in this day where everybody seems to be tolerating everything else. Lord, help us to be faithful to you um, with the right spirit, yes, but also, Lord, help us to stand strong uh, still. And uh, we pray, Lord, you'd guide and direct our thoughts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, actually, let's all remain standing for a second. Okay, this is going to be a little different type of a message, more, uh, more of a teaching type uh, time. Uh, but uh, what we're going to do is remain standing if these statements are true of you. All right, and we'll see who, who continues to stand after all these statements. Okay, so first of all, Remain standing if you believe that coffee is a necessary part of your day. All right. So, oh, Brother Ed's still standing, okay, in spirit. Okay, coffee's a, an integral part of your day, okay. Remain standing if you believe that chocolate should be a food group. All right. <laughs> All right. Remain standing if you believe grocery shopping is a form of torture. Okay. Oh, still standing. Okay. Uh, I okay. Remain standing if you believe that early morning is the best time to get work done. Okay. And then last one. I believe that mountain vacations are better than beach vacations. Remain standing if you believe that. All right. So we have. Let's see. We have two, three, three. There are three. Okay. So you guys can remain seated, but so the butlers and Brother Randy are in a special group, um, very special, all right? Um, and, uh, you know, we could decide tonight what we would decide to call this particular group of individuals. Uh, maybe somebody might think the weirdos would be a, a fitting title for them. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, see, when, when Baptists were named, that's kind of what happened. Now, of course, they didn't use, uh, we don't stand as Baptists for some of these things, and you might think I'm a heretic for saying that, 
especially when it comes to coffee. But um, what it is is Baptists hold to a set of beliefs, and uh, and we all stood together on these different beliefs. And when we did that, people looked at us and said, what a bunch of, let's come up with a name for them that's really kind of mean and derogatory. Oh, I know, Baptists. And so that's how we kind of got our name. And and uh, there's a lot of people in Baptist churches, and the reason they're in Baptist churches is because they've always been in Baptist churches. And if you were to kind of pin them down and say, why do you go to a Baptist church, or what is a Baptist? Uh, they might struggle to give an answer. Probably some will say, and if they were pressed hard enough, they might say, well, we're a Baptist because we baptize people. And yes, that's true. Baptists believe in baptism. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit and more in the series uh, to come. But uh, it's more than just being, uh, being, Baptist is more than just believing in baptism. All right. Um, some might think, well, I know what being a Baptist is all about. It is part of being a part of potlucks. We, you, have to, you have to eat, okay? And uh, that's why I'm a Baptist, okay? That's why I'm a Baptist. And uh, I read this article uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, I thought it was very fitting for right now. Uh, it was by Babylon B, and they said, uh, Crock-Pot introduces new 430-gallon model quote, the Baptist, and uh, there's a picture of it here. Um, and here's the article. It says, in an exciting breakthrough, representatives for Crock-Pot's research and development team confirmed Monday that they are prepared to release their largest high-end model to date, the Baptist, a giant 430-gallon slow cooker. The jacuzzi-sized Crock-Pot can prepare enough chili, stew, or questionably cooked chicken to feed thousands. Our Baptist customers kept demanding larger and larger crockpots, a rep told reporters. They asked, and we listened. The Baptist now allows you to get a jump start on next month's potluck by slow cooking thousands of pounds of beef for weeks at a time. The model requires a separate high output generator to run and can be towed to your church's potluck or other event with an optional trailer hitch package. The model will also be sold with a giant serving spoon. At publishing time, representatives had confirmed that when filled with water, the new crockpot model was large enough to carry out a full immersion baptism. <laughs> the Baptist. Now, I obviously, obviously, you know, we do love to eat, and that, that, that's not necessarily one of the Baptist distinctives, though it could be. <laughs> um, uh, that's not really the reason we're Baptists, though. And uh, I wanted to just share with you, unfortunately, though, a lot of uh, denominational labels are going out of style. That's why you see a rise of all these different just churches. Okay, so Elevation Church or or the Rock Church or or just simply the Rock, and uh, you really don't really know what they believe until you go and you go and you go, and then even then it's not real clear. Um, these labels are kind of uh, really helpful. I mean, if you had if you had two jars here and one had poison in it and one had soda in it, uh, you'd probably want to have a label on which one. And uh, my wife would think that soda is poison, but, you know, um, that's okay. Pray for her. Uh, but So the idea is that you, you want to know what is in the container, 
and it's important for people to know what's inside a church, and that's why we have the name Baptist on our church sign. Uh, because this, these labels stand for a set of ideas, and when people say I'm a Lutheran or I'm a Presbyterian, they're not just identifying themselves with an organization or a group of people. They're identifying themselves with a combination of convictions or standards or beliefs. And each of these uh, major denominational labels set for, stands for a set of ideas. At one time, Christians thought these ideas were so important that they deserve labels. And they used labels to distinguish one set of convictions from another. And they wore those labels as the badge that identified their distinctive beliefs. And I'll say this too, even Baptists cared so much about their beliefs that they were willing to die for these beliefs. And many of them did. Many of them gave their lives for some of the things we'll be discussing tonight. And you may think, well, that's not the most important thing. Well, it was still important enough because it's clearly mentioned in the Word of God that they were willing to give their lives for it. Now, unlike some denominations, Baptists did not choose their own label. Their opponents gave it to them as shorthand for the doctrines and practices that distinguish Baptists from other Christians. Again, it wasn't like, hey, what's a really flattering term we can give this group of people that holds to these strange standards? No, it was, what's a really derogatory term that we can use to describe this group of people? And so they came up with this word, the Baptists. All right? Uh, these, because Baptists were strongly committed to these ideas, they embraced the label, and they were pleased to accept a name that stood for important teachings. Most people who wear the name Baptist no longer know the ideas it stands for, unfortunately. If asked to name the characteristic teachings of their group, most merely observe that their churches perform baptisms by immersion rather than sprinkling or pouring. Increasingly, church members display an astonishing lack of knowledge about what just Baptists believe. And I'm not as insinuating that you're in that category but I just want to go through it and make sure that we're all on the same page on what a Baptist is. Now, tonight, I wanted just to go through very quickly tonight, the first of all, the Christian doctrine, and then we'll get to the Baptist distinctives. Because some people mix up the two and say, well, you know, we all believe the same thing, so we're just one in the Lord, aren't we? And in a sense, yes, we are, but in another sense, we actually, as, a, as Baptists, hold to some things that are a little unique uh, to Baptists and, uh, and, and worth standing apart uh, as Baptists. But first, let's talk about the Christian doctrine, which a lot of denominations would all agree with. Uh, you go down to the Methodist Church here on Maine, they would probably, probably hold to these uh, Christian doctrinal uh, things we're going to go through. Um, you go to just the average, you know, whatever church and not having a real label on it, uh, they would probably hold to these things as well. These are the essentials, the foundationals, the fundamentals of uh, the Christian faith. So what are they? Well, first of all, the inspiration and infallibility of the Word of God, of the Bible. Uh, we believe, not just as Baptists, but as Christians, we believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is inspired and infallible, and inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we believe that the Bible was and is inspired by God. 
And then we believe that it is infallible, which means it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong in it. It's all true. It's all right. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so uh, we believe as Baptists, but also other denominations would, would agree with this as well, that the Bible is inspired and infallible. Secondly, we not only believe that, but the Christian doctrine is uh, the deity and virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We believe in that. We believe that Jesus not only uh, is, well, not only did he exist, but he is God in human flesh. Uh, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we believe that Jesus Christ is God and that, and that he was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. Um, and uh, a lot of churches in our area, most churches who would call themselves a church, would, would believe that, would, would ascribe to that particular belief. Letter, letter C here, the next one is the sufficiency of Christ's substitutionary atonement. That's a long way of saying they believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, was the ultimate and final payment for sin, uh, sufficient to forgive uh, me of all of my sins and also you as well and the whole world uh, in addition. Hebrews 10 and verse 10 says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that was sufficient to forgive me of all of my sins, but also the sins of the whole world as well. Ephesians 1.7 continues this thought, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So again, these are Christian doctrines that you go to the average church here in Moore or Oklahoma City area, they would say, oh, we believe that too. And you might be thinking, well, well then what's the difference? Well, we'll get to it in just a moment. The next uh, part of the Christian doctrine that is part of the essentials and part of the fundamentals of the faith is the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe that. We believe that his spirit didn't just ascend out of that grave, but his body literally ascended out of that grave. And uh, Luke chapter 24, let's just turn over there and, and, and read this. I realize it's not Easter time, but you know, the resurrection of Christ should be celebrated every Sunday because every Sunday is a celebration of the fact that he is no longer in the tomb. Luke 24, let's look in verse 36. Talking about the fact that Jesus, the literal body of Jesus, resurrected from the, from the dead. Verse 36, as they, thus, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto, unto them, Peace be unto you. And this is after the resurrection. But they were terrified and affrighted, supposed that they had seen a spirit. So they thought, well, it's Jesus' spirit. It's a ghost. Well, verse 38, and he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do you, th why do thoughts arise in your hearts? 
He said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. He said, Go ahead, give me a handshake. Later, in, when, when Thomas was there, he said, Go ahead and put your finger in the prints, of my na- uh, the prints in my hands. Verse 40, when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they believed not for joy and wondered, uh, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And another proof that his body was literally resurrected from the grave. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So that gives us proof that in our resurrected body, we're going to get to eat still. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, We'll continue with the Baptist distinctive of eating and potlucks. Um, So uh, Jesus literally bodily resurrected from the grave, um, and uh, we believe that. And again, uh, most churches here would agree with that. All right, letter E, uh, the literal bodily second coming of Christ. We believe that as Christians. These are Christian doctrines. Uh, These aren't just Baptist doctrines, although... You know, Baptists do believe these. These are just things that Christians believe. Uh, John 14 tells us, and Jesus said in John 14, hey, if I go and prepare a place for you, I, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said this, Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. So the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And uh, the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise, rise first. So he's coming back bodily in Revelation 22. In verse 12, Jesus said, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So these are uh, part of the Christian doctrines. These are things that most churches here in our area would agree with. And across this world, uh, they, would, they would agree with these things. Okay? But what makes a Baptist a Baptist? And that leads us to number two, the Baptist distinctives. Now, Baptists are characterized by several beliefs. Now, not one of these beliefs is absolutely unique to Baptists. There's other groups that would hold to some of these. And as you talk to them and you say, hey, we believe this is Baptist, they say, well, I believe that part too. But we hold to the whole set, the whole group of these, as Baptists, and that's what makes us Baptists. Okay, so for our series, uh, we're going to use the acrostic Baptists. Uh, very creative, right? But we're going to go through these week by week and uh, and get get go through these in a lot more detail. I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis, a quick uh, few statements on what these mean, and then we'll we'll spend a week going through each one of these uh, throughout this series. So B stands for Bible-only authority. Okay, We already talked about the Christian faith uh, believes in the fact that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. But Baptists believe that the Bible is our only authority for matters of faith and practice. In other words, we don't... There are, there are some churches that, that put man at the same level as God's Word, and even sometimes above God's Word. And when the Bible and man disagree, well, we'll go with what man says because he's our, he's our father, he's our, he's our pope, okay? 
Well, Baptists say, no, 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 the Bible is our only authority for uh, faith and practice. And some churches say, well, no, we've always done it that way. I suppose there are some Baptist churches that fall into that category too, right? The, well, we ain't never done it that way, so we can't ever do it that way. Uh, we better not be careful. We better be careful to not put tradition above uh, God's word. And, uh, and, and some churches do that. So a Baptist, though, believe as the Bible is our only authority for faith and practice as opposed to tradition or man or any other book or any other uh, denomination, any, anything else. The Bible is it. This is our, uh, particularly the New Testament when it comes to uh, church, uh, running a church and, and organizing a church, we go through the New Testament. Um, this is our handbook for how a church should operate because uh, everything we need is, is, all, is all there. All right, so Bible-only authority. Uh, letter A stands for autonomy of the local church. Autonomy of the local church. We believe that each church is autonomous and independent. In other words, we're not part of a denominational headquarters, and this is a good thing because 100% of your tithes and offerings go to the ministries of our church and the missionaries that we support. Um, we, don't, we don't have to take a cut of the offerings and send it to our denominational headquarters. Um, now, I know that there is a group of Baptists called the Southern Baptists that do have you know, a denominational uh, headquarters, so to speak. And, um, and, and with that, you've got to be very careful because as the denominational headquarters goes, so goes the churches. Uh, whereas we believe as independent Baptists that we are independent. Uh, we're, we're autonomous. As you look through the, uh, the different epistles that Paul wrote, they were wrote to, written to specific churches with the exception of one, the book of Galatians, that, but that was clearly mentioned that it was written to the churches of Galatia. So it, it was to a group of churches. Um, but we believe in the autonomy of the local church, and again, as we get there, we'll, we'll go through that and explain that uh, in more detail. Letter P, uh, I know you think stands for potlucks. Uh, it does not. It stands for priesthood of the believer. Uh, priesthood of the believer. And that, that means that I have, as a believer, direct access to God. I don't have to go through to, to some man. I don't have to sit in a little closet and talk through a little window screen to a man to confess my sins, to get right with God. No, I can go to God on my own. I'm my own priest. What a privilege that is. And again, as we get into it, we'll explain what that means for us and, and uh, how we can make application to our own lives. So P stands for priesthood of the believer. Letter T, the first T stands for two ordinances, baptism and communion. And so we believe as a church, God has given us two ordinances to observe as we go through our, our church life. Uh, one of them is baptism, and, and uh, we'll spend a whole week talking about just baptism and uh, why we do it, how we should do it, who should do it, when they should do it. And uh, it's going to be a very important uh, message, and I would encourage you to be here for that. Communion, we just took communion last Sunday, and uh, that is one of the ordinances that God has given the church, and uh, we'll talk about that in a lot more detail as we get to it. So that's what letter T stands for. I stands for individual soul liberty. We believe that 
I can't make my children choose to come to Christ. That they need to make their own choice. I can't decide for anybody in this room for you to get saved. I, I, I wish I could, because if I could, I would. But I can't. God's given you that opportunity, and God's given the right to you and the freedom for you to choose. And uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer, or as we get to that. The first S is uh, security of the believer. We believe that once a person comes to Christ, places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that at that moment they're saved and forever saved, and they have eternal security, and, and uh, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand, uh, as Jesus said. And uh, once saved, always saved, and, and uh, God does the saving, and God does the keeping of our salvation, and we believe that. And again, there may be some other churches who would say, oh, I, we believe that too. The idea is we believe all of these as a group, kind of like uh, Team Weirdo over here or whatever, Team Strange, uh, for believing all of those things we mentioned at the beginning. They held to uh, all those different set of beliefs, and Baptists hold to all uh, of these beliefs. The, the next T, the last T, stands for two offices within the church, pastor and deacon. God indicates, uh, or the New Testament indicates, there are two offices within a church, um, and at least two. Um, we can have more. I mean, you know, uh, it doesn't say nursery director or Sunday school director. It doesn't say any of those things, but it does say pastor and deacon. And so at least those two are, are mentioned in the Bible, and uh, we, we need to have both of those, and, and we do. We have a pastor, and we have some deacons. And I'm thankful for all of our deacons. And we'll talk about what a pastor is and the biblical requirements for a pastor as we get down to it. And then deacons as well. We'll talk about what the biblical requirements for deacons are and qualifications and responsibilities and all of those things. Um, and then letter S, the last letter S is separation of church and state. And this means that, uh, and you may have heard this in school, um, the, the primary reason for separation of church and state is not so that the church should stay out of the state's business. No, absolutely the opposite. So that the state doesn't come into the church, church's business. And uh, by all means, the church is supposed to have some influence over the state. And that's been the problem is we haven't had as much influence and the state is having more influence than it should in the church. But we as Baptists believe that, no, no, uh, state needs to stay out of the church, but we should not stay out of the state. Uh, we need to influence what's going on in our nation. So those are the Baptist distinctives that we'll discuss uh, throughout this series, and, and I'm excited about this, and I think it'll be very helpful and encouraging. Um, a couple more thoughts, and then we'll be done tonight. Number three on your outline, uh, beliefs determine behavior. The reason it's important to know what we believe is because what we believe does determine how we behave. If you go back to some of these and you say the priesthood of the believer, well, once you understand what that means and you believe it, then well, boy, you're going to, that's going to perhaps revolutionize some of your prayer lives. That you have direct access to God. And you say, wow, I can come to God anytime, anywhere, 
for as long as I want, for any reason. And then you, you, you take that belief and it, it changes your behavior. Um, you look at individual soul liberty, understanding that you have, uh, it all comes down to you and you're accountable for your choices and decisions. Boy, that should help us to behave a little differently, shouldn't it? Um, when it comes to the security of the believer, when you understand that you are secure in Christ, that should uh, help us to behave in a different way. So this is why it's so important for us to go through this, because what we believe does determine how we behave. And then number four, last thought here, and we'll wrap it up with this. We must make a decision as people in our church, as church members, as uh, people who call Cornerstone our church. We must make a decision, first of all, to be Baptist by conviction. Some who are, you know, God brought all of us here for a lot of different reasons. And, and for some, it's like being a Baptist is not the most important part of being a part of this church. And I understand that. I understand that people come for the fellowship and people come for, you know, the music maybe or, or the preaching or whatever. But I want to encourage you to hold on to these set of beliefs, not based on convenience, because I'll tell you this. Throughout history, it has not always been convenient for, for Baptists to hold on to these set of beliefs. In fact, some, as I mentioned, have died for the faith, have died for these set of beliefs. Um, one of the big ones is the fact that we were the rebaptizers. A baptism is a big one that we have died for because when... Uh, those who went to the Catholic Church would uh, get sprinkled or, or get baptized as an infant. They would come and hear the gospel by a Baptist preacher and, and, and they would get saved and they would trust Christ as their Savior and they would say, all right, it's time to get baptized. And they say, well, I've already been baptized. Oh, you have? Tell me about it. Well, yeah, my parents tell me when I was, a, when I was an infant, they, they, they baptized me in the Catholic Church. So I've already done that. And these Baptists would say, I'm sorry, but that one didn't count. That meant you just got wet. You took a little bath real quick, but that was all that was. We need to rebaptize you. And that caused a great, great problem uh, for the people who got rebaptized and for the people doing the baptism. And uh, many of them were killed because of it and brutally murdered and martyred for the faith. And so I want to encourage us to be Baptists not by convenience, not just because it's the end thing to do, but because it's the right thing to do, because the Word of God teaches these things. And I realize that sometimes we can look at these and say, well, they're not the most important things. I realize that maybe some of these aren't to the level of the deity of Christ as far as importance, but they're still important because the Word of God teaches them and, and points to these things. And so just because they're not maybe to the level of the infallibility and inspiration of the Bible doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand strong for them. doesn't mean that they don't matter because these Baptist distinctives do indeed matter. So to be Baptist by conviction is a decision that we need to make. And then also we need to make a decision to teach the next generation. Again, we're, we're 
having all these new churches pop up that take out the name Baptist. Because we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want the stigma of being one of those type of churches. And look, I know that there's great Baptists out there and there are some not so great Baptists out there. I know that. Um, some, some that I wish they would stop using the name Baptist because they're not Baptist. And uh, they're, they're giving us a bad name. But that doesn't mean we need to throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Uh, we need to stand true to what we, we, we know is right, and then we need to teach the next generation so that when, when, when this next generation starts churches and plants churches, that they'll start blank Baptist church, and that it will hold to the truths that we've just gone through. We must make a decision. This is important. Um, and so I want to encourage us with this series to be faithful to this, to the Sunday night services this fall. Um, I realize that sports are going to be happening and, and, and life is going to get busy. But, uh, but I think for the sake of your own heart, your own life, uh, and the children in our church, it would be a blessing if we were all faithful to the services this, uh, this fall. We need to earnestly contend for the faith and then to uh, seek out faithful men who shall be able to teach others also uh, the truth that we've been given. And uh, so we'll, with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. Thank you for the, these um, Christian doctrine, Lord, the truths of your word regarding uh, the Bible, regarding the birth of Christ, regarding his deity and and uh, the fact that he rose again the third day and he's coming back for us for his uh, atonement on the cross. Lord, those are, those are important uh, things that I know a lot, of, um, a lot of churches in our area agree with. And Lord, if there's one here tonight that doesn't necessarily, maybe they haven't understood those before, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help them to trust Christ as their Savior and understand those but then, Lord, as Baptists, help us to hold to these set of beliefs that we've talked about this evening. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to this series. Help us, Lord, to grow in, uh, in our Christian lives and as Baptists. And, uh, Lord, to not, uh, not be ashamed of that label, but to, be, uh, to understand what it means and to grow in that. And we'll thank you for all you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.